I am Dr. Bad. This has been a long day. It is the end of the day, but our journey is far from ending. It's been too long months. As dentists, we were confined home, we had our hand attached, and we were wondering what was to follow. For those of you who ask me why I'm doing this, it's because I had two choices in front of me. Either to stay home and to worry sick, not being in control, or to step up and to do the only thing I could do, take control. Take control of what? Of my time. That's what I did. I went online and I reinvented myself. I rebooted myself. I even changed look. But if there's one thing that I've learned through this crisis, is to never give up hope, to never cease reaching out, and to never close to self. Can you imagine that after less than a week, we had a plan, and the plan was not coming from me. I just put together different pieces that I learned from different people. And yes, I put a little bit of myself in it too. A month later, we have a real initiative because of the office. Are we better than everybody else? Absolutely not. All we had was the chance of time and we're the first one reaching out and connecting. Now you be following. Keep your hopes up. Keep collaborating. Stay open. Stay humble. And all of those are not just fancy words I'm throwing at you. Trust me, this is what made us possible. This is what made this possible. I'm on the verge of launching what can be the dream of a lifetime, and I bet everything, but everything on it. What I'm sharing with you is the best edges that I found to this crisis, is the best leverage that I find to this crisis, and I'll be sharing with you also my contacts, people I'm working with. And funny thing is, you know that some of those precious secrets amongst the people I just met online. So no. I don't believe in secrecy anymore. No, I don't believe in a competitive edge anymore. I believe in openness. I believe in sharing. I believe in collaboration. And I believe in how fast can you adapt with what you learn. This has been a crazy journey, a beautiful journey. I thank all of you to have been with us at the launch. Now I challenge all of you to take over, to replace me to do better. And yes, I'll still be there, but hopefully next time I'll be watching, I'll be listening, and you all know how hard that is for me. I'm Dr. Back. I'm an alpha, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Welcome to the office. We have the privilege and honor to have Dr. Kino Shaw with us. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for having me on the show, Dr. Bach. So, Dr. Shaw, I know that I've been through your resume, but I think that our public needs to hear from you. Can you just summarize who you are and what you're doing? Um, I'm a general dentist. Um, I'm an implantologist, as I place implants. And uh, mostly uh, my practice is limited to that kind of work, full mouth rehabilitations. And uh, I'm also a family man. Um, that pretty much sums up the... Uh, and an entrepreneur. You are way too modest, sir. You are way too modest. Um, I've been through your resume, and I think for the last 10 years, you are 
you always invent something or you found a new institute. Um, can you tell us about what is the drive behind all of this proactivity? So when we were in dental school, they very um, strongly talked about ethics and uh, the patient-doctor relationship and how things should be in a clinical setting. And after I got in, out of dental school and started practicing, I realized it's nothing like what we were thought and what it should look like. Things had changed in the last 40 years with all these corporations moving in. And uh, everyone was sort of uh, letting them come and do whatever they wanted to, and nobody wanted to stand up to them. There was a lot of talk about doctors having problems with insurance companies, with the corporations, interfering with the patient-doctor relationship, but nobody had a solution. They were too powerful, too much money, too much lobbyists. So we had to come up with a bigger idea to bring our, uh, our autonomy back to this industry. And, uh, and that's what I intend to do for uh, the rest of my career. <laughs> so are you an activist trying to, to fight the big corporation and the, the, people, the big people with money? <clears throat> They have a lot of money. It's not, I wouldn't call it uh, activism. You have to understand that when you're not in charge and you don't make the decisions, everything trickles down to what happens chairside between you and the patient. It's called the patient-doctor relationship. Now, material selection, your staff selection, uh, everything trickles down to what happens chairside. And that's where we are all going wrong. 47 of the 50 states here in the United States, for example, in our country, prohibit the corporate practice of medicine and dentistry, which means that they require doctors to be the owners of the practice. That's how it's always been. Um, then somewhere around the line for it to be, since it's a very lucrative business, you had these corporations move in and they made up this nonsense about management. And under the guise of management, they have uh, managed to set up these entities that uh, pretty much uh, uh, circumvent the law and, uh, and then doctors came around and they put their name on the offices. <clears throat> and under the guise of management, they would hold all the assets and dump the charts on, on the doctors. Uh, it's a financial scheme. It's not about management and being better with our patients. Uh, a good office manager can do all those things, okay? You have a good staff, you're gonna have a good, good practice. So that's not a legitimate argument. But what it has become is what these forces trying to do the financial savvy people, they're trying to turn our profession into a market. And it's not going to happen. They were successful in optometry. They are successful in medicine. Now they're coming for dentistry. But dentistry is different. It's a, it's an independent uh, type environment. The only problem that we have is you're not united. You're all practicing in our practices. Uh, uh, we, we often don't end up seeing the outside world. After the practice, you go home to your families. And then you have the weekend activities and some play golf and <laughs> some play tennis or what have you. But you need a cohesive force, a cohesive force that can uh, 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 be more powerful than anything uh, money can buy. Uh, because uh, that's what they have a lot of. Lobbyists uh, at board levels, at, uh, at the, the government levels, at, uh, on speed dial. And uh, and uh, my child, my young, my, my 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 child might become a dentist, but I can assure you, uh, uh, I will not allow my child to be a slave to the corporations. They're supposed to work for us, and uh, that's where we have to keep it. Right now, we are okay, but it's expanding into Europe and and and, and uh, Far East Asia, and uh, somebody's got to put a stop to this virus. Um, and uh, and we are pretty. We came up with an idea, and it's working. Can you please explain your idea? 
What, so, is the, what is the remedy to this virus? <laughs> the remedy to this virus is peer-to-peer, -peer, a lean, mean machine. Um, and I'll tell you where, where, where we came up with this. When I got out of dental school, I, I had several offices in Illinois, and then we moved to California, and I started taking all these fellowships. And at nighttime, I was doing an MBA. And uh, during the day, I didn't have a, a private practice at the time. I would travel around offices, probably over 300 of them, doing all of the wisdom teeth and the, the second molar root canals and the things that uh, our colleagues didn't want to do. I was a good money generator. I could continue my MBA in international business. Somehow, somewhere, I ended up at a conference in San Francisco, which was called Lendit. Lendit was, um, uh, uh, at the beginning of times, uh, around 2013 or so, 2012, 2013, they were doing peer-to-peer -peer financing which means that they eliminated all the third parties out of the equation and went directly from the person that held the capital to the person that needed the capital. So cut out all the third parties, all the uh, fees and all of the uh, uh, referral fees and all that stuff that comes into play when you're trying to do a transaction. That was about 100 people in one room. And now today they're holding their meetings at Javits Center. You can barely buy a ticket. It's always sold out. <clears throat> that financial concept exploded. It was based on blockchain, utilizing leveraging technology. And I thought to myself, what if we lever leverage technology and uh, did this in healthcare? Um, and I lectured for them twice, once in Shanghai and another time in, uh, in, in San Francisco about uh, the healthcare environment and how to peer-to-peer financing could uh, become available in healthcare. Then I took those ideas, finished up the MBA, and uh, set up my own practice. And uh, I only practiced three days away a week, and I could allocate time to these type of peer-to-peer -peer projects on top of all the other projects that are going on. But this particular one, 40 doctors came to the table. Uh, 90 is nine. Uh, we have nine regions and uh, some 30 uh, um, 30 organizing members, and uh, they worked. They didn't get paid. They contributed their time. They came because of the idea. And the idea is that you create a network and expand that network and essentially operate as a, as a tight-knit, um, lean system and in information exchange. That's the first step. There are several other steps that are in the, in the, in the, in the process that uh, you will hear about when they become public. But we managed to reach over 2 million of our fellow colleagues in medicine and healthcare, leveraging technology and social media and uh, uh, utilizing the time of COVID when everyone was at home with, uh, without access, uh, without uh, the ability to travel, uh, to reach the most distant places by seasoned lecturers that they would pay a lot of money to, to go to conferences to see. So now this system, as an example of peer-to-peer -peer system, more people should develop peer-to-peer -peer systems in our industry from every aspect of the supply chain. Created an environment where uh, um, now these people in the most distant place in the world have the collateral advantage to care better for their patients. And uh, it was done very inexpensively. There are no monetary interests between any party. No monies have been exchanged between any party. And uh, here you got, here you go. Here you have your first example. And just to make sure, you say that there's two million members. So those, this is two million dentists. 
Not two million members, two million, 2.2 million peers actually to be exact and some change. Uh, we tracked it uh, on a daily basis with our with our uh, big group. Uh, we have the dream team, which is uh, constitutes those nine regions and those 30 uh, organizing members in the background that help us. And uh, uh, I wouldn't say all of this we have uh, from the comments that we have seen in all the different over 100 uh, doctors spoke, mostly dentists, medical doctors, hygienists, uh, surgical assistants, uh, uh, those that uh, matter in our uh, in our little boxes where we reside. Congratulations! I think that at two point two, you have the biggest P2P group of our industry. Yes, that was uh, that was certainly a grand success. It uh, made the waves around the world, and it was for a good cause. And that's what peer to peer is all about. But the idea is very lean. Whatever you experience, ShareSide, the troubles that you have had, the companies that have tried to cheat you or, or cause problems in your practice, every one of us should know about. And every one of us should be uh, 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 not making the same mistakes our colleagues did. That that's what it's about. Information exchange is very powerful if done properly. So if I understood correctly, you, you are defending the liberal aspect of a profession, the independence of each professional. And that was before COVID. When COVID hit us, what changed? Well, we had this planned for November in Los Angeles. We did a global summit in 2018. And the idea is this is the Global Summits Institute. And um, as soon as COVID hit, I realized all of our colleagues are sitting at home. We have a lot of time. I was seeing comments like, hey, I got up. I went from my bed to my couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody was doing. And it wasn't just you and me. It was all over the world. And I figured, hmm, these guys aren't going to come. Uh, and uh, and fly over here and shake these doctors' hands that have contributed tremendously to our to our profession. But what if we bring them to them in their living room and leverage the social media and this technology like Zoom and Facebook Live and all of the different platforms you use um, to bring them to their homes? And that's exactly what we did, and it worked. And uh, I don't think it's going to be duplicable because uh, uh, there's got to be another. A catastrophe in the world that happens. One is enough and we just went through it and now those videos are up. They're not being taken down. Anybody can still watch them. And uh, some of the most well-known seasons uh, lectures. And that is on top of those guys. There was about 10 advisors and 100 speak, 102, three speakers. Something like 150 doctors that participate in the project. From the good, goodwill of their heart, based on the idea of peer-to-peer, -peer, based on the potential it could have, no monetary interest. Some of these guys are two years booked out on the, on the, for, for conferences and speaking. And I know that your speakers speak very highly of you because uh, we have this today thanks to one of your speakers, Dr. Paul Wallet, which is salute by the way. But my, my question was more in fact that, you know that the COVID crisis hit our industry very badly and a lot of our independent dentists might go under. So now more than ever, they might need uh, resources, they might need the help, and they need support. Um, how do you think that an initiative like yours can, can come and help them? Well, certainly you're correct. Uh, uh, the word is that probably one-fourth, one-fifth of the doctors aren't going to be able to come back, but it affects also the other organizations relatively the same. The bigger organizations have taken greater hits than you would imagine. They're not Amazons and and Walmarts, they're more like um, 
the DSOs, they have taken a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, hits as well, but that creates new opportunities. Um, the number one, uh, you have to have a blueprint on how you come back to your practice, and uh, and the blueprint is different for everyone. For those that want to come back, great. Some of them are going to retire. Fine. Um, but the blueprint that you create for yourself is going to be different from everybody. So it's very hard to create a system that, uh, that would give you one advice that works. Some people take Medi-Cal, Medicaid, some people take PPOs, some people are cash uh, fee-for-service. Now you have to see patients one at a time. You have to keep them apart in the waiting room, preferably not have anybody in the waiting room but one patient waiting. There's a lot of things that go into play, but depending on your type of practice, you have to create uh, a blueprint on how to come back you know i have some recommendations uh, um, uh, some advice from myself uh, every dollar is going to count when we do come back for some of the people that have taken the loans from the government that's wonderful some people tapped into their savings to survive but ultimately it's very important to now work strategically and work very precisely which means that if you have capital that you're going to invest into marketing to bring them back um, you want to do some sampling and make sure that you invest in the things that you know work or have worked for you from the past. Uh, uh, pulling and sampling is a very big concept. Uh, you you take 10 different things, you invest in them, and then two of them work, and then you invest the rest of your money in that. Um, uh, personally, I, I, I don't know why. I just opened up a couple of weeks ago, and I'm swamped. I, I don't know, everybody that did, had their work treatment plan before COVID is now starting to call and come in. Once in a while, we get a, we get a, we get a person that says, hey, cancel my cleaning till the COVID thing comes down a little bit. But uh, your, your biggest asset right now, we're all startups. Everybody's a startup. Startup games are a little different than, than an acquisition game. Uh, I've, in my early days, I've helped build over 30 startups and it takes six months to flourish. And what you got to do is you got to work strategically. Just because the government gave you a bunch of money to give to employees doesn't mean you should bring all the employees. In. Your biggest asset right now is the patient list that you have. If you don't call them and care for them, uh, they're going to go somewhere else. And, uh, and that's what a lot of these bigger corporations are now marketing for, for your patients. They're coming after your patients. Um, so one person should be behind the phone calling everybody on that list to get a day or two started during the week. Once you get that and you go to three days, you go to four days, you go to five days. Um, when we did startups, we would start with one or two chairs and then we would block out the back and then build the chairs later as demand dictated, which uh, numbers will tell you when to go on uh, to the next step or bring the next employee back from furlough. But again, it's very hard to create a peer-to-peer -peer advisory system other, other than I'm open, I get calls and emails from students and people going into dentistry or people that are struggling all the time and I allocate my time and trying to give them what advice I can give them. But uh, uh, a uniform system for that is very tough to do that. Share your wisdom. But I have to, I have to push a little bit because the COVID hit everybody and for a certain time at the beginning of the crisis, we kind of feel that everybody was on the same side. So I have to, to ask a question. Is there any hope for us to work with the DSO? In my opinion, I have been a stark critic of the DSO since day one because I've, been, I've, I've consulted or worked with some of them in various capacities trying to understand what they're doing. There's a DSO that's ran by a dentist, wonderful. 
the dentist is ethical, there's always this voice in the back of their mind that says, hey, Hippocratic oath, patient care, you know, you're, 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 you're. But then there's the manager, some executive that sits at some distant office setting the rules that has no fraternity to this industry at all. So that's two big differences between a DSOs. I have no problem with a doctor being the owner of a DSO and operating it, as long as the doctor is ethical. But then I have a problem with DSOs that have lawyers with a rubber stamp of a doctor in the back of the room stamping every document that comes. You have to understand there's a legitimate way of doing things and there's the other way of doing things. So they made so much money that now it's just, you know, it's a factory. You have this office, this is the numbers we need to meet. Send in a floor manager to force these doctors into these rooms to do this procedure and that procedure, have morning huddles, we gotta make $5,000, $10,000 today. If they clean up their act, there is a possibility for dentists to work with them. There are dentists out there that don't want to manage. I understand that. My recommendations for them has always been go and associate with a senior dentist until uh, as a stepping stone for your own practice. Live your own dream. Because if you work for a DSO, you're living their dream. You're making their dreams come true. You're not making your dreams come true. For 30%, 25% of collection, are you kidding me? They're taking you, they're robbing you of your equity. The equity is where it's at. You build this business for them from nothing and they take all the equity and pay you 25% of collections and then they give you all of these benefits that uh, rarely ever materialize. So you have to differentiate. There are some good DSO players, no doubt about it, but they're guests in our industry as are the insurance companies. Insurance companies started at some grocery store and now they're dictating to us what treatments we should do and not do because first thing the patient asks is, does my insurance cover it? You know what my response to them is? We don't treatment plan based on what insurance covers. We treatment plan based on what is in your best interest, number one. And the same way these guests came, that same way they can leave out the door if they decide not to behave at a party. That's what happens to guests that don't behave at a party. They're asked to leave. So, um, <laughs> you're smiling, I'm dead serious. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, at some point, uh, uh, it's not uh, about arrogance or anything uh, of that sort. It's about a powerful idea. You have to come up with ideas because ideas drive industry. It's not who has more money or who has... All of the big, big money people, uh, uh, companies are now bankrupt from 50 years ago. They're not even around anymore. Nobody knows them. So it's not money, it's ideas, it's innovations that drive commerce. Um, we have a big idea here, here to peer. Hi, I'm Dr. Back. This is a dental chair, and I'm unmasked. This will not be possible from now on. Is it? I have spent my entire career trying to bring dentistry to a more human level. It will not through more filters that will be achieving that. And I do understand the concern the virus is something very critical and serious, but I think that we own it to ourselves to do better. At MDEX, we have pushed forward to take all the necessary cares outside of the operation chair. This is not an operation chair. It looks like a dentist, but it's not. It's not aerosol. There are no danger. We're scanning here, we're consulting here, and we're making a follow-up here. This is what I've been pushing forward for the last two years. Yesterday, it was a great idea. Today, it will be the new norm. Is it something possible to get out from a dental chair? Most of our operations are surprised by saying yes. Yes, we're still surgeon, but maybe 80% of our time, we don't need that chair. 
to work. We don't need to put ourselves in that stressful environment. And most importantly, we don't need to put our patients through that. The new norm coming will either you will have to take extra, 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 extra precaution to limit the cross-contamination, or you can just stay away from that room while keep doing your job. This through means technology, but also through the will to do different, to revise our own ways that we will be ready for what's coming. This is my initiative. We'll make sure that we keep our relevancy and that we keep our human touch. And yes, I promise you, for as long as I'll stay alive, dentistry, with more human than ever. The end of the confinement is just the beginning of a journey. I'm Dr. Bang. Welcome to the office. In the United States, about 55% of the dentists are organized under a certain form of organization, part of the DSO. In Canada, it's about 5 to 7%. And the trend it's before COVID was moving fast into having more and more of the dentists to consolidate under organizations. What do you think the trend will be now post-COVID? I think that if you look at the facts, I was just talking to Golden Association Management the other day, and uh, they are uh, heavily involved. Lots of these organizations are losing their membership. You know, the, every action you take in life, in some shape, form, or another, I believe truly that it comes back to you. When, for example, organized dentistry endorsed DSOs about a decade, 15 years ago, they sold us out for marketing dollars and sponsorships. Now it's coming back to them where they're readily losing memberships. A, people don't want to pay the other $15,000, dollars to these organizations every year for something they could do themselves. Uh, um, and, uh, and people are starting to realize uh, these organizations, even though organized uh, in dentistry, might not even be on our side. So again, bigger ideas need to come around to, uh, to, to flatten the, I want to say flatten the curve, <laughs> to, 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 to flatten the playing field. <laughs> raise the curve. Raise, raise the curve. <laughs> yes, so we're, uh, we're here, our colleagues are um, very interested and I want to explain to you also our concept of decentralization. Um, centralization is when, when power is in the hands of a few. Decentralization is when you can use like blockchain with a ledger. You remember Bitcoin, they had a ledger and everybody could look and see all the transactions and what is going on. Um, decentralization is when there's no central power. It's all done and it's all being done automatically between peers. So we're talking at the board level on how to create uh, different uh, systems for different purposes, be it a supply chain, uh, be it uh, corporations that have uh, done something to our colleagues that should uh, that we should all know about, and uh, and multiple different platforms as such where our peers can turn for advice from their colleagues and also to create awareness uh, worldwide amongst us. You open the door to so many questions, but I have to choose mine carefully. You talk about decentralization, and I love the idea. But um, do you think that that will also cause a problem with our state board that likes centralization of power and then they like to be in control? You think that we're gonna create another uh, enemy just on the fact that we try to, to just organize ourselves? Organize? We're not organizing ourselves. We're uh, we're in the cloud. Um, it's. Uh different concept. There's no presidents and uh, vice presidents and that type of thing in terms of the platform itself. 
Regulatory bodies, no. Regulatory bodies, see, organized dentistry has no legislative power at all. It's in reality, even the biggest one in the U.S. that uh, I should probably not uh, mention the name, they don't have any legislative power. They're a membership organization. It's a group of doctors that sit around and when, when they make decisions. And power corrupts with time. And, 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 and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So uh, um, they lost recently in Texas on a dispute about uh, specialization and all of that to another group, another organized dentistry. And that was really bad for them because the Fifth Circuit upheld uh, that decision again for a second time that uh, people can claim to be uh, um, a board certified, say, implantologist if they have gone through a board certification process. Uh, versus uh, the specialties, that list of made-up specialties they made uh, that uh, the regulatory bodies are going by. Now the regulatory bodies are quoting the First Amendment right violation versus what this organized uh, organized dentistry group says are recognized specialties. Uh, and uh, you know, you tell me what dental, what kind of a what kind of a, a specialty dental public health is, but uh, it's a list of nine specialties that the group of dentists made up backed by another group of dentists, and it's a membership organ, it's an opinion. It's not anything that can be uh, uh, enforced, number one. Number two, a lot of organize, organizations that operate under conventional methods, they need operating capital, okay? So they, they collect from their members, and then you have these bigger companies coming around, like the DSOs, they offer them a lot of advertising dollars, and, and then you get the lobbyists there. So the conventional system is not going to work because it will always be corrupt. Uh, uh, in some shape, form, or another, the bigger they get, the more problems arise. Uh, uh, there's a few voices behind that are, are essentially pulling all the strings, no matter how they package it up as all of these committees and what have you. So regulatory bodies go by accredited schools, which are legitimate operations. They accredit people. They listen to accredited schools and they listen to the law not a membership organization. You have no worries about uh, about uh, legislative bodies or state boards coming after doctors for uniting under an umbrella to 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 get all the parasites out of our industry. Um, that's a that's a whole different uh, ball game. I think we would get a lot of support actually from from people that uphold the law because the laws in this country state in 47 states that you have to be a licensed dentist to own a dental practice, period. So what basically what you're telling me is to all the dentists watching us is you can be in control. Stop giving the control away and you can be in control. Just come and connect peer to peer and join those 2.2 million people. You're not alone. <laughs> this yeah. is what you told me. We're not alone. You're not alone and we have to be in charge. Any operation where a dentist doesn't get to select or select his or her uh, times where they want to work, the, the staff, the materials, the, 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 the everything, everything. If you don't make if you don't call the shots, the guy that's on the facility, on the scene, uh, um, uh, then you are, uh, then you are uh, sort of influenced by somebody, by some entity, by some group. And that can't happen because the patients suffer. These patients don't know they're going to a corporate office when it's branded as uh, XYZ Town Dental. They think they're going to a friendly doctor that cares for them, that's going to do the right by them. That that they don't know that there's some management guy from 
six states away that is trying to get into their pocket, selling them everything they probably can before they leave the door. They have no idea, they trust us. And, and these companies, these organizations have created a tremendous damage, tremendous damage to our reputation, to our, our to, to the trust of the patients. Now they, you know, they've been uh, screwed so many times that they come and, you know, they question us. When we, when we diagnose them, when we make a recommendation, uh, a lot of patients, you know, they've been uh, jerked around at another office somewhere, some corporate office, and they think that we're trying to sell them. We're trying to upsell them. We're trying to get into their pockets. And uh, that's not good for us. It's not good for the profession. Sir, we didn't mention it, but you create many groups, but that peer-to-peer -peer group is one of the biggest achievements you, you, you put on, on the table. And this is coming with the title of the top 100 dentists in the world. Now I have to ask, with that army of elite officers, what do you hope for the future? So Doc, uh, this is actually funny because some people had, a, had an issue with the top 100 doctors concept. Let me give you the background of that. Spend tens of hours uh, explaining to our colleagues in different groups of what we were doing. Um, we went in and selected a hundred guys, innovators, uh, educators, uh, some guy had 37 patents, another 35, some has been lecturing for 40 years, some has been clinically practicing for 40 years, some is the vice president of a big a laboratory, etc., etc. We went to all the different supply chain areas and picked one or two guys. It has nothing to do with being the best or being the elite. It's being in a position of decision making to when to, to a time where we we may need them, our own colleagues, dentists that are in those positions, uh, that are in those positions of authority, influential dentists that are in those positions of authority. It's never about the best. And there was over 70 countries that we involved because again, uh, uh, if you recall from the beginning of the discussion, I said it was going on in the United States and has expanded this virus into Europe and Far East Asia, is you have to have a bigger idea. You have to get all the countries involved. For the amount of money that these people have, it ain't gonna be worth a penny when we unite. Uh, uh, so, so having these 70 plus countries and these 100 doctors come to the table with different topics, Essentially, we're going to fly them all into Los Angeles in November before COVID hit and do the same thing in a physical format. And uh, we scratched that idea and brought them online. But uh, next year, we're going to have another 100 guys and then another 100 guys. And we're going to keep doing that until uh, 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 until we're a uh, uh, decentralized peer-to-peer -peer operation. I don't know what to say. It's uh... It's tremendous the kind of effort you've taken upon your shoulder and said that, yeah, we're not the little guy here and we're gonna stop being imposed. <laughs> they work for us, it's very simple. You don't work for them, they work for us. They're in our profession. We went to school for 20 years, not them. Because they got an MBA or they got some sort of a wise Wall Street type uh, personality or, or, or never, that doesn't invite them into the healthcare profession. They gotta play by the rules like everybody else. So I think that you already answered the question, but I, I want to hear clearly. What are your hopes for the future? My hope for the future is before my time is up, that uh, that uh, essentially the corporations come to us, not the other way around. Uh, that's my mission, and uh, I am known to execute with precision. Um, and uh, that's what I'm going to keep continuing to strive for: is to fight for my colleagues, to fight for dentistry, to fight for medicine and healthcare. And uh, everything I've learned, uh, multiple different universities, uh, I'm putting into into uh, work. 
So we go to school, we learn things, and we put it to work. We, have, we all have different talents. You know, I practice in all the different specialties in my office. I have a very small operation where I practice three days a week, doing four-month rehabs, things of that sort. That's one of my talents. Another talent of mine is to bring people together and to innovate. Your talent is writing 65 books. Every one of us has talents. We all have talents. And we have to, if we apply a shred of that talent into a system that, that makes sense, it's a lot more powerful than going into those groups every day and saying, oh, I got screwed by another insurance company. I got screwed by a DSO. I got screwed by these people. And then it's all talk and nobody ever does anything about it. So let's do something about it. So, sir, for the people who are listening and they're all fired up, how can they join? So right now, the first step is to come onto our uh, uh, Global Summits page. Um, uh, Facebook is a central one, but we're now expanding into LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, I believe we're also going into, uh, let's see, was Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and one more. Let me just uh, do this. And what we're doing is we started uh, putting our sessions, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. Okay, YouTube it was. Um, that should be launched, so we're expanding our reach in that capacity. Um, I would invite them all to go onto the platform and start looking at any of the videos that are under the video section under on the Facebook community house there, and uh, and look at what some of our uh, what our friends have to say about these things. Um, you'd be very pleasantly surprised, and there's a lot of good educational material there. That's where it starts, and then uh, you can also engage with our uh, with our regions. Um, they're also listed under the top 100 doc or our chairs that we now have and uh, Also with our organizing member that are part of the dream team and uh, we'll let you know more Wow, hey, Of course we have to do I think we'll have to do this again in a, just a few months to see how far you, you We have evolved because this is this is huge. You, you, you'll be giving us the the opportunity to take back control and not to feel alone. This is mainly what it is. We are not alone. You're not alone. You're actually all living the same, similar, I should say, similar lives. You all live this, you're all living a similar life. And, uh, and sometimes when big companies come around, big organizations, and they have a lot of money and they have a lot of power, uh, um, you have to think about something bigger. Than, than, the, than, than what you're, you have to step outside the box. Now, if we had a platform where every doctor could come to and and, and, and and complain about the way they were cheated or the way they were influenced or who interfered with their with their, uh, their patient-doctor relationship, their money isn't worth a dime because some guy from Australia writing about what happened and, uh, and uh, what happened in Canada, there's no way to go pursue these people. These guys are going to correct themselves and get better, and then they're going to stop messing with doctors, and they're going to stop messing with our lives, and it's it's achievable. Um, but uh, we're always open to new ideas. These are not all my ideas. I started this P2P thing from the financial thing, but all of these new things that are coming about now, I got 40 doctors. Just we're all talking every day. We're all on this 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 this, this group. Where we are communicating with ideas and concepts and how we can fine-tune it and make it better and take it to the next step and it's very exhilarating and uh, and uh, it's always impossible until it gets done. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for the wisdom and also the passion you bring to this and here's my contribution. Since I'm a dentist too, 
you, you mentioned that you have Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and uh, Instagram. If you may, uh, I can open the door of Spotify too. So uh, the group will be just a little broader with uh, a better reach. <laughs> that would be wonderful. I'm looking at WeChat too in China. It had over 100 uh, million downloads. I'm wondering how many dentists and doctors are on there. That's another one we got to go to because China doesn't let us uh, get into that market with uh, Facebook and the others. So yeah, I would love to have that discussion with you. Um, you're doing Podinars now. Uh, we started yesterday with Dr. Tipton uh, from the city of London, the professor up there. Probably one of the two, three most well-known names off the island uh, of all those three countries there. And Tipton uh, had over, I mean, I was looking at the stats this morning, over 50,000 hits um, and it was spread by our organizing members to all of the different areas. And you're just starting to expand this Podinar concept, which is half podcast, half webinar. And the way we structured it is to have these doctors. It's well known. I'm, we're uploading another 100 doctors right now. Uh, I think about 72 invitations are out right now. And every weekend we're going to do these, not every day, like those 45 days. We're going to do these on Saturdays and Sundays. And we're going to start getting louder, you know. Um, uh, so uh, basically you're asking me what's getting ready to happen. Uh, they come on board, they speak with with the host. The host could be any uh, person of the regions or of the chairs, and they're experts in those fields. Then we bring these speakers, half, half podcast, half webinar format, which means that we get to know the doctor before the presentation starts, so we have a better, stronger connection with that lecture, why, who, where, when, uh, so we're gonna call it a. We've been calling it Podinar, for which you are actually one of those invitees. <laughs> you already know that, and uh, we'd love to bring you on board. And you can maybe tell us what motivates you to write over 60 books. That's phenomenal. I mean, I've I haven't heard. Uh, I haven't met anybody. I've met some of those guys on the top 100, or have written 800 plus articles, but I've never met anybody that has written 60 some books. And here's a here's a spoiler. I have seven books to write before the end of August if I want to keep my my, my pace. So yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this, and uh, you know how motivating and inspiring that could be for for doctors that like writing. You know, how did he? How did he have a family? How did he have a practice? How do you write sixty some books? And I'm gonna that write. When I was in high school, I fell English and French class. <laughs> so oh, really? You don't have to be good at anything. You just have to be dedicated to find answers. That's, that's how it started. It's a passion, right? It comes back to the talent. If you have something that you enjoy and we grab it and hold it tight and we just run with it, it uh, it's, a very powerful, uh, it's a very powerful thing. It can become a very, very powerful thing. I presume you, enjoy, you love writing, right? I now? Like I'm lazy. At the base, I'm a lazy guy. I don't like to work, but <laughs> you have to choose your your sword. And so, okay, I start writing, and uh, I have to keep this for our podcast. But shortly, I succeed where I never thought I would be succeeding. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lazy wow. guy. I'm just a lazy guy. <laughs> you know, I'm lazy. I mean, lazy people don't don't do what you have done. But I commend you on uh, on, on your achievement in that regard. It's very inspiring and motivating. Because some people do this for a career, and dentists are known throughout history for innovation and, and, and creating things. And people always wonder how dentists do it. 
but we get a very unique education. We have very unique careers and lives, and it's always been that way, and it should stay that way. If you don't act, soon we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be uh, uh, like the factory Walmart employee type scenario. We don't preserve what we have for future generations. This right there, this right there, people, is what you have to keep from this interview. Innovation to our history has came a lot from our inside of our ranks, and we have to remember who we are. We also have to remember why we chose this profession and to whom we have uh, respons responsibility to. Dr. Kinar, this can go on for hours. I hopefully this is not the only time we're going to have each other on air. And thank you so much for your passion, dedication, and leadership. Thank you so much for what you do for our industry. And I look forward to our uh, session in the future. I'm living right here and now and I don't want to miss out. Is this what life's all about? The world is calling and I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. I feel the freedom inside. Come on, let's go for a ride. I finally opened my eyes and I can see it so clearly. Now